everyone. On today's episode, we're going to be discussing two films, the Netflix documentary RBG and subsequent biopic On the Basis of Sex. The woman at the center of these features is Ruth Bader Ginsburg, the second ever female Supreme Court justice, who recently passed away on September 18, 2020 at age 87. Ruth was an icon who spent much of her legal career fighting for gender equality and women's rights. On the Basis of Sex and RBG are affectionate looks on an extraordinary career against the odds. We will also be discussing what's going to happen next, now that there's a vacancy on the court and whether or not praise for politicians and lawmakers is at the detriment of the people it serves. Also, I just want to remind you guys to check your voter registration. It's really important. Um, yeah, time is time is getting really, really short. So let's do this. Let's all vote. Thank you. And uh, let's get into it. Hello. Hello. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. You know, dealing with my filleted finger. <laughs> <laughs> Don't say flayed finger. Ah! That's terrible. <laughs> I can see the bone when I cut it. I don't understand how you did this, first of all. Like, it makes me afraid to, like, leave my room. Like, <laughs> I was literally washing dishes and a dish shattered in my hand. And, like, mm-hmm. I basically, like, grabbed it and, like, my other hand was holding the piece of the dish and it just, I shoved it into the knuckle of my, or the, the crease of my finger. What are you doing with your friggin' gorilla grip? Like, what are you up to? <laughs> I thought it, I thought the dish was plastic. I literally just bought it at a yard sale that day. And I thought it was plastic because it was so thin, but then it, yeah. it literally shattered and it was glass. And I was like, oh shit. <laughs> you know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of in Breaking Dawn. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever Edward is having sex with Bella and he just like breaks the whole room. Do you recall this? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> I think about it quite a lot. <laughs> like he just doesn't know his own strength or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what the situation is like, basically. Exactly. Yeah. I thought of it immediately. <laughs> I mean, I've got to come in with a movie reference on Little Film Club. What do you mean? <laughs> oh, man. All Have you right, been watching so, anything good this week? Oh, yeah. I went to the movies again a couple of days ago, and um, I went to go see an independent film called Rocks um, about, it's kind of a, just about, like, British London youth culture, um, and it was great. I mean, I really recommend it. I don't know if that would come out in U.S. cinemas or where it will stream eventually, but, like, this is this is, like, a five-star Okay. Film, but it's a really small, intimate movie. And so I saw that. And then I think that's basically it. I've been watching stuff for fun um, at home. Like I watched Mommy Dearest. <laughs> <laughs> um, what else have I been up to? I watched a movie called Damage with uh, Juliet Binoche and fucking, I forget the other guy's name. Oh, Jeremy Irons. Jeremy Irons, the creepiest man alive, in my opinion. Um, which, I mean, like, this was, a, this was a movie from the 90s, but it felt like the 70s. 
um, in the way that it's just like, it's very intense in like such a weird rapey way, like Last Tango in Paris. Mm. Like it's, it's, it's this beautiful film, but it's really, it feels old and foreign um, in a way that it actually wasn't. <laughs> um, <laughs> but that's kind of the way that Mommy Dearest is like, I guess because it's Faye Dunaway playing Joan Crawford. Um, okay. You know what I mean? But like, I, I've been really into stuff that is old, but is not as old as it seems like it is. <laughs> yeah, I get. I feel that. I watched recently uh, Safe, directed by Todd Haynes from 1995, uh, starring Julianne Moore. And I love that like mid-90s vibe. And it was, it was an interesting movie. Uh, I'd recommend it. I rented it on Amazon for this little... Uh, group I go to on Zoom once a week and we just talk about movies and books and shit. Ooh, yeah, no, definitely. Send me all the recommendations you can because if I don't find something, then I'll just go and like watch Peep Show for the eighth time. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to get away from that because it seems like I may be spending winter inside because I'm sure I've bragged to you about how like, oh yeah, in London, things are going back to normal. Things seem chill. Wrong, wrong, wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I've, been, I was. I've been seeing stuff on Twitter about it shutting back down or whatever, but I mean, nothing is like very obviously happening um, yet. But it's this. I'm having major deja vu. It's just like March, where they're like, "We don't need to do anything more. It's yeah. individual responsibility. You guys got this." And I just feel like in two weeks they're going to be like, "Nobody leave the house." No, I'm I'm like honestly getting the same same sort of vibe from from Boston, you know, like I mean like I was downtown just a few hours ago getting covid getting tested for covid and um it things were shutting things are slowly shutting down again, like discreetly sort of shutting down. There've been no like formal announcements or anything like that, but it's it's very strange. I think and I'm hearing like a lot of whispers, like I literally was passing people on the street who were talking about like this upcoming fall surge that is expected. And um, I looked it up yesterday and Texas had 22,000 new positive cases on the 21st. Oh my fucking God. 14,000 of those were in Houston alone. Yeah, I've seen the map where it's just this massive bubble over Houston. Um, so, um, well, I'm, I'm dreading the fall. <laughs> I know. Well, it's, it's, it's nicer. I mean, like, I can get behind staying in a home during the fall better than the summer, if I'm honest. Yeah, exactly. You know exactly. I mean? Yeah, because it's like, well, I don't want to go sit out in this park or do anything anyways. Yeah, I am worried about traveling for the holidays, though, as far as Thanksgiving and Christmas are concerned. I know you're, when you come here for Thanksgiving, I, I don't have my flight home yet for Thanksgiving, and I'm debating on not even going. Yeah, I think it's just something that I'll have to figure out at the time. Yeah, but I'm excited to see you and Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we can just talk from six feet apart, no problem. <laughs> My voice will project, we know that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I mean, so off the topic of COVID really quick, I gotta ask, where were you and how did you find out that Ruth Bader Ginsburg died? Oh my God, literally, we... I was in the hallway of my apartment because me and my two roommates, we were like, okay, we need to go out. So we were going down the street to this brewing company for food and like a drink. And um, my roommate, Bina, literally said, Ruth Bader Ginsburg just died. And I honestly, I was like, what? No way. Like, I was like, what the fuck? Like, and 
I thought well, it was Friday night then, like Friday night. Friday night, yeah. I th- I thought it was some sort of fucking hoax bullshit, like trending topic on Twitter. And I opened Twitter and like literally, and then everybody started texting me, like Grayson, my brother, um, Jana, Jen, all these people, Sam and Katie, my old roommates. Everybody was texting me, like, "Oh my god, did you hear? Did you hear? Did you hear?" And I was like, "It was so fucking depressing." I was like, "Okay, I need to go get drunk right the fuck now." <laughs> fucking medicated right yeah oh, where were you going um well i was i'm a, it must have happened the news probably broke while i was asleep right yeah. um so i woke up saturday morning and i literally hadn't even got up to pee yet i was just literally on my back like you know how you just like scroll through <laughs> your phone like who loves me this morning yes. so i opened up i opened up the guardian and of course at the very i go all the way to the top because that app just sort of leaves you where you left off i scroll all the way to the top see what's going on and it said you know fucking it it, it was the news and i was like i rem- there was an audible <gasps> like in the bed because yeah. <laughs> i was like oh shit you know like literally i didn't expect my reaction to be that way either because i've i like everybody else there's been you know ruth has been in hospitals and you know like i think that we kind of known that this was coming but i i didn't expect i expected to be like oh you know fuck but it was like oh fuck (laughs) yeah Yeah, well because like it took me a second because at first obviously you're just like oh my god so sad like blah 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 like whatever um, and then, like, yeah. as it slowly sets in, like, all of the implications of her, what her death actually means, and the fact that we're a month and a week or so out from an election, it was just like, oh my you god. You can't write the shit. You can't write the shit, like, can you? Right? Like, waves and waves of terror. And, you know, I was caught between being super pessimistic about it and trying to not be but i mean you know in this day and age it's hard to not be a fucking pessimist well i mean we should we we shouldn't be i don't know you can be in two minds about something i think that's why i was really wanting to do um this episode on the rbg documentary and on the basis of sex because i actually immediately after finding out about this it did make me feel better to kind of to watch these things these sort of heartfelt um, portrayals of her because, you know, basically, unfortunately, because of the situation surrounding this, you know, like, instead of really looking at, like, her life as a whole, we have to think about her replacement, which is just, like, I mean, it's the nature of the position, but it's just really, I don't know, it's not that dignified in my in my opinion. Like, there should just be, respectfully, I think there should be a period of time between um all of this happening but like she's not even buried yet and it's just like oh it's, I mean, it's already a shit show it's a shit show um so so yeah like it's it's hard to like uh to pick which way you want to be but i did watch these documentaries which i did get teary and inspired um which is what you should be feeling like that is like the healthy reaction to um to Justice Ginsburg, Ginsburg dying, but at the same time, like, of course, you're gonna feel anxious. Like, what the fuck? Like, we've got an election in a few few weeks. People are voting like now already. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like this, but like also, this is what the third justice that that Trump is gonna be putting on the court, and yeah, it's his court. Oh, it's insane. It's it's a six to three conservative majority now, so yeah. it's just like fuck me (laughs) 
literally. So do you know anything about the, uh, well, I guess just quickly before we talk about the documentaries and movies, do you know anything about, is it Amy Coney Barrett? Yeah, um, not much. I um, have been, I read like a little bit of a primer on her and stuff, um, but I have hesitated in get, getting too deep into the procedural aspects of everything. I've just been, you know, staying like lightly informed as to like, you know, who's saying what, et cetera. But yeah, yeah. I'd prefer not to know like the <laughs> ideology of this woman who's going to probably tarnish <laughs> the legacy of Ruth Bader Ginsburg anyway. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I did somewhat of a brief. I just wanted to make sure I kind of knew who this was. I mean, nothing is obviously, like, I I mean, for all we know, once we get off this call, like, the nomination will be, like, officially announced. Like, it'll be, I mean, you never know. Like, this one is moving so fast. It's Wednesday, like, when we're recording this. Um, by the time I put this out, either Thursday or Friday, we, who knows what's going to happen. Trump <laughs> said he's officially going to announce Saturday. And I mean, there's talk that they're just going to skip hearings and just immediately nominate, essentially, Um, which I mean, hearings aren't in the Constitution, so they could technically do that. I mean, and it wouldn't be surprising if McConnell yet again broke more precedent. So fuck that turtle. I guess there's no rules is what I'm really figuring out about things lately. Like, Well, there's fucking rules. It's just that the Republicans don't give a shit about them when they have power. And I was reading an article this morning sort of tangentially related to this topic and um, basically classifying McConnell's actions as the actions of somebody who knows that their political movement is dying. So he's doing everything he can to amass as much power as he can before you know, this conservative political movement that began in the 80s with Reagan sort of comes to to a close, you know? So they're trying to pack the court. They're trying to change, you know, voting laws. They're doing all of these things to ensure they have as much lasting power as they do. Um, I was really hoping that McConnell would also croak this week. I've had several daydreams, <laughs> real dreams, that, like, I woke up and McConnell was dead and it was probably the happiest I'd been in months um, until I realized it was not true. <laughs> oh my god. Well, hold on. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna quickly pull up a photo of McConnell. Also, just please, so I can FBI, see. do not <laughs> come to my home. Uh, yeah, well, I'm sure other people are making the same. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's, he's not the best looking guy in the world, is he? But, you know, neither here nor there. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, I mean, yeah, no, all that stuff is just, it's shit, right? But let's talk about our girl, the girl of the hour, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Sometimes I spell it with a U, sometimes I spell it with an E. Don't judge me. (laughs) (laughs) I do try. Um, But yeah, I mean, she was 87 years old, and she was um, nominated by Bill Clinton to the Supreme Court in 1993, so I was born in 1993. (laughs) So it's easy for me to figure out how long she was on the court. That's 27 years on the court. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I, you know, I didn't know as much about her. I mean, I knew about her, obviously, before this. But, you know, watching the documentary and on the basis of sex, the the biopic, I mean, was really interesting. Um, You know, I have my thoughts, but... (laughs) 
Oh my God, let's share thoughts. Should we get the shit stuff out of the way or like, let, should we pick a movie? How should we do this? Let's, I mean, I will say I enjoyed the documentary more than I enjoyed the biopic of it. Of as, as much as I love, you know, watching Army Hammer do anything. Um, yeah. I, you know, I, I preferred the biopic, but I mean, overall with both of the movies, I mean, as great as Ruth Bader Ginsburg was, it did feel feel a little bit like a too heavy on praise and you know too uplifting of this of of her as a figure you know yeah well yeah it wasn't I mean it wasn't a critical look at all I mean um which is fine you know I I don't think that everything should be I think there was sort of this cringy sort of like girl boss like (laughs) hashtag girl boss and it's just like I don't really think she was like that like, no. you know what I mean? Like, she can still be great without being, like, some... It's not like she snapped her fingers and, like, yelled and had an attitude. And, like, she she was she was a very calm, collected person. And, and yeah. I'm not saying that people don't, res- like, respect her for that. I'm just wondering if people actually know how she was. Like, you know, I, and I was really glad to see in the RBG documentary that they kind of they sort of touched on some of the things, like the fact that she was really close with Scalia, as in, like, they were, like, best friends, like, best pals. Um, Which, yeah, I mean, uh, but I I don't really think that that's terrible. I think that there's kind of some small lessons to learn. But you're talking about an eight, you're talking about a woman who came up in the 50s. Like, she's not going to be, she's not AOC, like, she's not, she, you know, it's just, I felt like whenever you have these opening sequence with like the, the sort of like rap music and her in the gym, it's like, I mean, she's not listening to this in the gym. <laughs> Absolutely not. And I, <laughs> like you said, I like how they did touch on that sort of um, contrast between like who she actually is and then this sort of um, the pop culture iconography that she sort of, uh, that sort of embodied her and used her Im- image um, yeah. in the last decade or so. Um, because, you know, there, there is, like, a glaring, um, gap between who I think she actually is and, you know, this uh, figure that she has been portrayed as, and, you know, like, I mean, I think she definitely sort of, the, you know, popularity that she has experienced in this sort of, um, you know, the notorious RBG and shit, I mean, I think that definitely bolstered her uh, performance and she sort of that was like a second second win that sort of helped her overcome Martin Ginsburg's death and and sort of do what she has done in the last 10 years um, as far as becoming this icon yeah definitely definitely and I think that like this this sort of origin story though is actually really great to hear right now because it does kind of represent something resembling like hopefulness and just sort of work ethic which is I think the big that's that's the biggest takeaway that I got from RBG was just like that um I think people hear it lots of times like when you're a woman you have to work and she did I mean even listen I've listened to back to some other documentaries just on YouTube and like fucking hell she is 82 years old she knows her shit she is like she is she was just incredibly talented um and yeah now and and so I think that 
she's just like this diminutive like old lady in oversized glasses but she was so smart like it wasn't really about um so so the sort of millennial culture that kind of is around this documentary like i feel like it it, it's it's not really that great of a portrayal like she's aware of like the notorious rbg and like i think she even knows who bi biggie is slightly but like (laughs) like to hear the word tumblr come out of ruth bader ginsburg's mouth i was like what's going on (laughs) like girl you know we're not talking about the glass right (laughs) exactly exactly (laughs) But I, but I, but I did think it was, it was good. And I, and I, she's not like a grandstanding person. It's not like she would stand up in front of the court and like point fingers at people's faces. Like there's many instances where people would ask her her opinion about something. And she sort of always ended it with, I will respect the opinions of my colleagues. And, um, you know, that doesn't really fare with the kind of like move over girl boss sort of white feminism. Yeah. And also, I think it, I mean, her, as respectful, quote unquote, as that is, um, American politics is moving away from that completely. There, there is no, uh, the middle ground is shrinking. There is no room for, there is not a lot of room for respecting somebody else's values right now, it feels like. So I think her, that sort of, uh, viewpoint is, is a bit outdated and and I think the emphasis of her relationship with Scalia um, sort of uh, highlighted that because you know at the end of the day I mean yeah they're colleagues and they're on you know the Supreme Court and they have to respect each other's views and stuff like that but American pol- political discourse is not is moving away from that sort of respect. You know what I mean? Like there, there, there's no middle ground to be found anymore. There's no, and, and I mean, when it comes to the issues that are being debated too, you know, there, I mean, the middle ground is, is gone in my opinion. Well, I mean, I feel, I feel like though, without these more moderate voices, then you don't get these radical voices that you have now Definitely. like I, it's uh, it's hard to decide whether one came because of the other or in spite of the other do you know what i mean yeah like are people more radical because in the past we've been too moderate or is it that we have to be moderate in order to reach a higher place like i think that's a good thing to think about or like an interesting idea to think about yeah, definitely. And I think, I don't know, one of my favorite aspects, I think, of the documentary slash Ginsburg story as a whole was uh, the VMI case, the Virginia Military Institute, where yeah. she fought to, um, you know, have women attend this military academy and won. And, you know, it sort of showed these women who joined um the academy and stuff and I think that was one of my favorite parts because you know you had some women who were part of that class that first class that went to VMI after the Supreme Court case and you know I thought I thought that was great and that really highlighted sort of the immediate effect that you know Ginsburg's decision making had on like actual lives yeah um, I feel like in our, the documentary, they didn't touch on the the tax case, which was like her first case 
that she the sort of sprung her onto the scene, which is an on the basis of sex. I don't remember was I mean they must have touched on it a little bit, but I feel like it was very very brief. Yeah, I mean they didn't really focus on in the documentary a lot on her early career. It was really sort of they touched on the childhood, they touched on where she came from, et cetera, et cetera. They sort of glazed over. Um, you know, because she had the, before she became, you know, this Supreme Court justice, she fought six cases in front of the Supreme Court as a lawyer and won five of them, one of them being the tax case that you're mentioning. And they didn't really go into detail about those cases, which was interesting to me because, I mean, those cases were sort of pivotal in her, in her role as this, this figure, this iconic women's rights activist. Yeah, there was definitely a part upon like my, I've seen it twice. The first time was sort of a a more sort of random watch for me, um, just because I knew that it was a highly rated documentary and really well done. I watched it. And the second time is obviously just this past couple days because she died. But I feel like the first time I watched it, I, I thought that there was, I wanted there to be an emphasis on Martin Ginsburg. I mean, there has to be because, you know, obviously it's her husband. Um, and they have a really interesting story. Um, but I did, I, I, around her nomination with Bill Clinton, just sort of all of that, there was, I felt like there was a lot of credit given to Martin Ginsburg in a way that I didn't really like. Like, I felt like it was, I don't know, did, did you kind of feel that way as well? Yeah, I, I definitely got that vibe a little bit. I think, um, they did a lot of work, though, to un- underscore the fact that, like, he wasn't, I mean, he was instrumental in, in that he supported her. So I, I didn't yeah. have as much of a problem with that. Um, but I-, I-, I definitely see what you're saying, you know, and I mean, it-, it-, it sort of, it touched on this idea of his support and what that did for her but it really didn't go super deep into the dynamics of that for me and what exactly, you know, that meant as far as, like, of course her husband is supporting her, but, you know, she only needed that support because of our patriarchal society, you know? And it it didn't really go super deep into that aspect of it. Yeah. True, true, true. But all in all, I think it is a really good documentary that people should watch. It definitely is. And I'd love to see like an updated version of sort of um, the last few years because it came out in 2018. And so the last, I mean, like two years, you know, have been um, sort of instrumental. And also, you know, bringing in some some of the the harder aspects uh, when it comes to discussing her legacy. And... um, you know, one of the most interesting moments, I think, for me um, was when she criticized Trump uh, prior to the 2016 election and was called out for it and subsequently forced to apologize. And they were like, well, do you regret saying that? And she was like, well, I shouldn't have said it in the first place, which, true. But like I said earlier, as far as like the disappearing of a middle ground, you know, that was her adapting to this new political landscape um, that she is sort of inherently a part of or was inherently a part of. Um, So. Yeah, 
I mean, I guess there's a lot of uncertainty if you were to take a different approach to it. And I saw Hillary Clinton do that a lot. There were things that she sort of overly apologized for, and she made it even seem like a bigger deal than it was. And Trump would have never done anything like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, and like, even if her, I think, I think she should have spoken out more. And this quote that's going around um, that is from her granddaughter saying that her most what is it? My most fervent wish is for, um, is that um, I'm not replaced until another president is installed, which that's not the direct quote, but like basically the same thing. <laughs> which, I mean, you can't really do, but you know. Wouldn't it be something though if Trump was like, well, we should respect that. Like, imagine. <laughs> I would be floored. <laughs> I would, I, like, that would. I'd be floored too. I'd be floored too. I think people would have a really positive reaction to that. I mean, it would make me sick, but like, it would be such a shock, you know what I mean? But yeah, and I, but of course, his response to it is, mm, meh, I don't know if she said that. I think Democrats are making it up. And it's like, God damn. <laughs> so, you know? one of the questions I wanted to ask you. Um, and, and it was sort of brought up in the documentary, but it, again, it was sort of breezed over very quickly because it's one of those aspects of criticism that is leveled against her. Um, do you think she should have retired uh, when Obama was in office? Um, I guess I would need to know, I, I have read about this. Um, and so I, I think that what I'm missing is a little bit information on if there was more, if there was more reason beyond the fact that she just didn't want to, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. if she had, she, I, she, I, it feels like, because I feel like there's a, a thought about whether or not um, a better justice could be brought in under Hillary Clinton, um, which, of course, if that would have come into fruition, then that would have been great. But I mean, that's one thing that liberals haven't been so good at is yeah. they inadvertently have their seats taken away. And there's not, there hasn't been very good strategy on that point. And like have, having her step down with Obama would have been maybe the safe, safe option, but safe isn't bad. You know what I mean? So I think, I think probably, but I understand why you wouldn't do that if you just didn't want to, or if you felt like you still had more to do. But I mean, when, with the situation as it is now, of course you'd say, yeah, she probably should have done that. Yeah, hindsight uh, is twenty twenty, but <laughs> it's twenty twenty indeed. Yeah, um, <laughs> but, I'm guessing I mean, that you say she definitely should have done. <laughs> well, like you said, it's complicated because sure, it's easy to sit here now and say, yeah, she should have retired. And I mean, like you know, knowing what I know now, like yeah, she should have fucking retired. But you know, we were all under the assumption in twenty sixteen that Hillary was going to win. You know what I mean? Like, we all thought, I mean, like, all the polls, everything, everything was pointing to Hillary winning. And so I, I understand her having that perspective. Well, you know, Hillary's almost guaranteed to win. You know, I have a, I have a couple years left in me, whatever. I can retire, you know, halfway through a Hillary presidency or, or whatever, you know? And so, so I don't know. I think it's, it's, it's easy to criticize her for that now, four years later, when we're in the shit show that we're in. But I mean, 
I, I think yeah I don't really even think it's a it's critical it's just looking at like the reality around the situation yeah I mean I think and well like because I have been I, in doing my research for this episode I have read some things where people do criticize her for that and I think it's one of the more weaker criticisms leveled against her because you know like sure you can you know be mad at somebody for not fucking retiring but you can't control that and I mean there's more valid criticisms against you know as far as her decisions on the court as of late um, you know, prior to her passing, that um, hold more weight than, you know, her hypothetically retiring in such a politically unprecedented time. Yeah, I mean, and I think just, like, on a kind of just human level as well, just the fact that, like, I mean, she'd been in the hospital, I think, a couple of years ago, or maybe even less than that. She was, I mean, just um, at the end of last year, I think it was, like, January, Feb, like she was back in the hospital with pancreatic cancer yeah. and she she never missed a day in court until i guess it was probably this past year so like not even taking all the political implications out of it at the same time like she was obviously unwell that doesn't mean she wasn't well enough to practice law i mean like she i don't imagine that it was a very peaceful um decision for her to do this because she knew you know, she was probably trying to hold on until this was over with Trump, which, I mean, that's just me speculating. Like, members yeah. of her family haven't come out and said that, but I wouldn't be surprised if they did say that she was trying to hold on whenever, like, I mean, she that's was obvious. She, she is not as if she just happened to die recently. She has been dying. <laughs> and that is really, and it's sad that she, and it's sad that um, it may not have been the most peaceful situation for her because there is there is sort of unfinished business with with this kind of with the situation yeah and i mean like if i'm not wrong to the senate flipped to the gop in 2010 2012 you know really early in obama's presidency and so her retiring with a senate gop you know obama couldn't push through a more liberal judge you know, um, during that time anyway. And then we know, obviously, that, you know, McConnell stole a seat nine months before an election. So she really wasn't faced with many options. And I do think that she was holding out for, you know, the end of a, a Trump presidency. And, you know, here's hoping that the that end is soon. But it's unfortunate that they're probably going to fucking fill her seat anyway. Yeah, no, definitely. They have the votes. I know. I saw that. That was like today, wasn't it? That uh, today or yesterday, yeah. Well, didn't Mitt Romney come through with the... Yeah, but they need four to flip and they've only got two. They thought Romney might and then um, they... Murkowski and... Call, Susan Collins of Maine said they wouldn't, but they need to get it through, I think, by like November 30th, because if John McCain's seat flips Democrat, then obviously that person wouldn't be voting to push a nominee through. So that's three votes. <sighs> yeah, Mark Kelly, which is like somebody that we should all be paying attention to right now, um, yeah. taking John McCain's seat in, our, in Arizona. Yeah. That's important. But anyways, what did you, so what did you think of, of on the basis of sex? 
<laughs> okay, hold on. So basically, I honestly thought like the movie kind of bookends really well. Like the start and finish, I feel like are actually pretty strong. Yeah. Um, and uh, like I was kind of disappointed after the transition out of like you know once it starts really jumping years pretty fast like out of her Harvard her sort of time at Harvard into Columbia and everything and like when she starts at Rutgers and you know like you do get like at some point I don't know if it's just because like you know this is a film and it's not sexy right like nothing about this is sexy or riveting it is about like lawyers <laughs> like writing shit in law in like the 70s so like am i do i mean this isn't my particular bag <laughs> but it was but when when the movie starts and you see her at harvard and literally it's like three out of five three women out of uh, 500 men and you see her walking um and being in the you know these elevators and walking on the street and she's just the only woman there like that was a really powerful image um like a hundred percent and in but i there was i mean it wasn't a good movie <laughs> <laughs> um but that doesn't mean that it was terrible either it was definitely like just a step above a lifetime feature really <laughs> Yeah, it was, I mean, it was nice. It was cute. You know, I love Felicity Jones. I love Army Hammer. Um, but it, that's all it was, was nice and cute and great and you know, <laughs> awesome. Like, so good for her. <laughs> okay, but wh why is Felicity Jones playing this? Uh, why is she always doing her dying husband's homework in a film? Like, <laughs> why is this a typecast role? Because this is very specific. <laughs> what was the theory of everything, right, with uh, Stephen Hawking? Yeah, she was doing that with Stephen Hawking where she had to, like, go to his classes for him. And then, like, I saw the same scene again in this movie. And I was like, this is weird that it's the same actress. That's a bit funny. I wonder if they saw her in the theory of everything and they were like, that's it. Gotta have... <laughs> City yeah, done and dusted, which I think she was pretty good. I feel like her New York accent was non-existent, but I wanted like a real Brooklyn, Brooklyn chick in the film. And she yeah, was just like, <laughs> <laughs> it just was like, it was just, it, it, to me, it screamed like Oscar bait, like please nominate us for Academy Awards kind of thing. That was never going to happen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and which is fine, you know, some movies that, are produced like that do turn out to be really great. Uh, this is not one of them. <laughs> no. It's like, yeah. <laughs> I think it's hard to make like a really entertaining political movie. It, no, it's boring. It's, it's boring. You know, like you, you have two ends of the spe spectrum. You have really boring biopics or you have completely fictionalized conspiracy thrillers, um, which tend to get terrible reviews, but are a hell of a lot more fun than these dry-ass <laughs> fucking biopics. Well, there's also this element of, like, I can't watch this all the way through because I'm uncomfortable with just how cheesy and cartoonish this is. Like, I don't care how big of an icon you are. There's no way that you talk to people like this. Like, she just, starts, she just starts, like, break... I mean, it's... Like, that one moment in the court where he's, like you know, a uh, woman isn't in the Constitution once. And she was like, neither is freedom, Your Honor. And I was like, girl, <laughs> I don't even care if she really said that. That was stupid. <laughs> 
<laughs> I was like, I, um, that didn't, re- yeah, that didn't quite get, that wasn't like a, oh, <laughs> it wasn't like, Drop back. Um, <laughs> yeah, no. yeah, that may, I mean, if that, if that was like fictionalized, if she didn't actually said that, that was stupid. She better have said that shit. <laughs> yeah, if she said that, I'll give it a pass. If she didn't actually said that, that was the screenwriters, they deserve jail time. <laughs> yeah. In the fucking, yeah, the, the man on the court, if he, if he didn't say that about women not being in it, then I was like, y'all are misleading. This is just, yeah. But a couple of things that were just like, okay, for instance, like Army Hammer was there. He was looking incredible. He was He's looking kind good. of just there. <laughs> yeah, he is kind of just there in things, but that's that's okay. He is very tall and I enjoy it. But like there are pictures, right, of like RBG at the premiere and she's like taking photos of all the people. It's so good. I love these photos. But like do you remember the part where they're like in the bedroom together and he like picks her up and he's like Mrs. Ginsburg. I was just like, uh, this is. <laughs> yeah. She must have been having heart palpitations. You know what I mean? Like, how this is a dangerous thing to have her see. Like, <laughs> <laughs> she was like, damn, I wish Martin looked like uh, Army Hammer. <laughs> I mean, like, it's it's so cringy. Cause I mean, <laughs> yeah. I just I don't know that I necessarily needed to see a fictionalization of Ruth Bader Ginsburg's sex life, especially knowing that, um, <laughs> you know, just what, like, you know, I just, that's just not on my list of, like, things I really needed to know about her. I know she had sex. Obviously, she has children. Is that important to the story? Absolutely not. It <laughs> may have been, like, a really creative choice as to not make her her biopic sort of sexless because I think that there is an aspect of that about her in reality you know and that's that's kind of what a lot of women in power are like quite sexless but it's not yeah. as if it was well, really a big sex, like, what, 20 years ago 30 years ago <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> like she's old I, like that's just facts <laughs> <laughs> well I yeah I, I I don't I don't really know I because I I'm I'm fine with seeing her bang but like why did it it felt like a sex scene in a Disney original movie and that's <laughs> Like it didn't go, it didn't go far enough. Like it was too sugary. Like there should be, it should be a bit more of a tearjerker. This film, this film didn't make me cry. I cried at the documentary, I and I think that's because they, it was, it was reality. Whereas this was like, this was so cheesy. Like even the conversations they had with their daughter. Okay, so if her daughter was truly like this, then like, <laughs> I just really doubt it. Do you know what I mean? Like there, there could have been moments. And, like, I feel like even, like, the theory of everything, like, the theory of everything was a longer film. They covered more basis. Like, with, with this movie, they jumped year to year within, like, fuck, like less than five minutes in some of the earlier scenes. Like, yeah. you just suddenly, you were at Harvard, and then suddenly you were, like, in the Rutgers, like, she's teaching law in Rutgers, and everything in between that, like, gets a little washed, and then everything between her being at Rutgers and initially getting this case for Marty until she's back in the courtroom, like, the whole journey and the people that she meets and talks to along the way, like, it kind of goes over your head because you're like, oh, I'm yeah. bored. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's, I think, one of the problems about, like, an expansive biopic of, of, like this, you know, that covers somebody's entire lifetime. It's like, you're not going to really touch on those small moments that really shaped that person to be who they are, you know, especially if you're looking at decades of material. So yeah. it's, it's, it's harder to, I think, you know, 
make something like that effective because it's like you're just ticking all the boxes as far as all their achievements you're not really focusing on the emotional impact of like one or two moments you're just like oh look at what this person did how great and that was one of the biggest problems i had with this movie because it was just like like i i get it you want to you know give the full picture but if you're not going to dive deep into you know these specific moments these specific cases there's you lose some of the impact that the film could potentially have yeah it wasn't, it's, it's not really, it's not a documentary that's up to the par and gives the right amount of credit to, to Ruth, really. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, I, I remember there's one part of the movie where they're at this party and she's kind of standing silently by and um, like Army Hammer is doing like tax lawyer jokes. And I was like, this movie's not for me. This movie. <laughs> this ain't it. <laughs> this is like, ha ha ha, Marty's so clever with his tax lawyer jokes. It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> I did actually laugh in the documentary when they were describing that moment where uh, her and Marty, Ruth and Marty, were going to see this uh, play on Broadway or whatever, and everybody started clapping for her as they walked down the aisle. And he was like, oh, I bet you didn't know that there was a tax lawyer convention in town. And I thought that was funny and cute. <laughs> and his little, like, his little speech he did or whatever. I don't know. I thought it, it was cuter to see it in real life than it was to see, like, the fake portrayal of, like, oh, Army Hammer's this, like, funny hot husband. Like, <laughs> he can be my funny hot husband. He was, yeah, no, that, that was ideal. I actually don't really even think it was bad casting. Um, but I don't know. Like, I think that it was just so, like, we've got these two big people right now like as far as like Felicity was sort of fresh out of the theory of everything and got some Oscar buzz and she was just sort of thrown into an A-list they were like she's going to be Ruth Bader Ginsburg and then Army Hammer is sort of like I don't know I feel like they were like yeah this cast is sick we got Kathy Bates in the house but it was kind of just a nice cast like it was the really the script wasn't strong enough for um for yeah. The individual that they were making a film about and i bet they'll do something else for, yeah. for her like it wouldn't be the first time that like people are just like let's scrap that movie and do better this time <laughs> and what army was like fresh off of call me by your name so i get i get i guess i get it i don't know justin Thoreau's hair though was really throwing me for a loop most of the time yeah i was a little bit I was just wondering why he was there, really. It was fine, though. Because um, <laughs> that was one of the storylines where I was like, I'm not paying attention to this for some reason. Um, yeah, even the thing with Kathy Bates, I was like, mm, they've got like this angry, feminist, wild-haired woman here. I, I've seen this. I know what this is. <laughs> um, but yeah, I didn't think it was terrible, but I really didn't think it was, it was that good. Um, I had some some nice little giggles, though. Yeah. Who would you cast in, like, a biopic about her later years? I don't know. Um, I'm not sure. Maybe, like, Mandy Moore in her This Is Us makeup? Um, <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I was like, huh, maybe. <laughs> no, no, I'm just I'm totally kidding. I, I really don't have any idea. But, like, even that, like, what would that... It is just fine to do a documentary or to look through real footage and real interviews yeah. and read the books and everything. Like, I mean, I don't, I, I don't know. 
what the book would be or what, what another movie would really be i, 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 I don't know <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I I would like to see like more in depth, like her time on the Supreme Court, maybe. And um, yeah, I feel. But everyone says that the majority of her like massive accomplishments are kind of are before this. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and I would I would just I guess I would like to see maybe a film about the Supreme Court more recently. I don't know. I could see like Frances McDormand, like you know, putting on like a brown wig and just like owning it as Ruth Bader Ginsburg, I would be super down for that. And I mean, like, God, if James Gandolfini yeah. were still alive, him as Scalia, like, oh my God, like, that would, like, be the servant of the century. But do you think that would be interesting for us to just, like, I mean, just thinking about, not just thinking about, like, whether me and you would like it, but just, like, as something that people would watch, like, a bunch of sort of elderly, <laughs> elderly grandmas and grandpas, like... <laughs> I'll tell you what I am interested in. I, I guess there there are particular stories that I'd like to see or like talk about more that I thought would be touched on in some of this RBG stuff. Like, but because she was so moderate, you don't really hear about it. Like, um, like Anita Hill, and even more recently, like Brett Kavanaugh, and like just Me Too in general, and having more films that really dive deep into that, just so that we can contextualize it for the future. Like, you know, because yeah. movies, movies do, you know, take on a historical precedent. So, like, um, there, are some, there are some stories that are not as flowery and pretty and inspiring, like, as as rbg stories but like there is there's some shit on the fucking <laughs> on the fucking bench that we can break down and yeah. i i figured this out through researching her or like it's been sort of it's been brought back to my memory um but there is you know there's a lot of material there yeah well they did that anita hill movie confirmation i think it was an hbo movie it was like carrie washington was anita hill wendell pierce was clarence thomas which I thought was a missed opportunity to cast Cedric the Entertainer in his first dramatic role. Um, Cedric the, okay. <laughs> I mean, could you imagine? That would be so great. But. Uh, <laughs> what if he was bad, though? That it would just be embarrassing. <laughs> but it, I mean, it would be so bad, it would be good. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I'm, I'm kind of with that. I'm kind of with that. I feel like give him a chance. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> Cedric the Entertainer, come through. Yeah, yeah, I didn't see that one. I, I've, I've known of its existence, but I thought it may have actually been like a series, like a TV series. No, it was um, like a little, a brief little movie. I, I caught it years ago. I think it came out in 2016. And I, I mean, I love Carrie Washington. So I was like, oh, okay, I'm down. And I watched it and I was like, just pissed because I was like, oh, I hate that this happened. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Yeah, he. I think that he's like the most conservative judge. I know. I hate Clarence. Wait, sorry, conservative uh, justice. Sorry. Yeah. Um, which is yeah, what a shame, because I get excited. I'm like, I see the black guy there, and of course he lets me down. <laughs> of course it's Clarence Thomas. <laughs> of course it's Clarence Thomas. Yeah. No. Um, I think yeah, I don't know this. Looking at the larger picture too, I guess like this last week sort of reflecting on, you know, RBD's death and stuff like that has been really interesting too, because I think it, it says something about 
American politics that we've sort of uh, turned, you know, Ruth into a celebrity. And, you know, you seeing those pictures and uh, of the, mem mem uh, the memorial outside of the Supreme Court and the video of everybody singing Amazing Grace and all the t-shirts and, you know, the, the saint, the prayer candles and all of that stuff. And, and I mean, it struck me as really unhealthy, <laughs> you know? Well, it's just that everything's turned into merchandise and, um, yeah, like Urban Outfitters and their like RBG mugs is kind of weird. Like it's weird. And like, yeah, I don't see this as something that is slowing down. In a way, I feel like we have to sort of embrace it. But I feel like you can't be taken seriously um, with all of this stuff. Because I mean, yeah, I don't know. It's it's complicated. Yeah. I don't. I think it's a bit weird that people turn like you should be interested in these figures, but you shouldn't like. They're not religious like they're actually quite flawed yeah and i mean like you know you see that to some extent with obama not as extreme but you see it really heavy with the right and donald trump he is this godlike figure this celebrity and it it's it's you know i think it's it's indicative of just where we are in american politics that people are so invested in these political figures and it's like some level of investment in your political figures should be there, you know, as far as holding them accountable, wanting them to do good, et cetera, et cetera. But like yeah. to the point where it's like t-shirts and candles and all of that bullshit, it's like, it's, it's like gag me. It's, it's just so fucking annoying because it's like, it just, it just seems toxic to me and you know, it, and it, it, it creates this environment where you can't criticize them because I saw you know, and I mean, there's a time and place for criticism. And I mean, immediately after RBG's death, there were people retweeting shit on my timeline that was like negative about her. And I was like, there's a way to have a nuanced conversation about it. But for you to sit there and like literally just like trash this figure five seconds after her death on Twitter so you can get some like retweets and likes or whatever is kind of bullshit. But there is a conversation yeah. like that about like her... Um, the decisions that she's made on the court in the last few years, the statement she made, I mean, as far as the statement concerning uh, Colin Kaepernick's protesting, you know, her views on, um, you know, she was a little bit of a law and order judge. She was, you know, one of those quote unquote tough on crime um, judges. She, you know, cited in the one of the cases about a pipeline going through native land. She, uh, you know, let that happen. So, you know, I, I think there there is a time and place for nuanced criticism. And um, I think that's important because we can't just sit here and like act like she was a fucking saint. She wasn't. No, yeah. It, but I just, I think that I just want to drive home that like, we both definitely agree that two things can be true. She yeah. is still incredibly important, um, talented. She is an icon, but throwing yourself behind a, uh, a certain ideology is dangerous. And it's something that we have to like get out of to go forward. We're very stuck in this, in, in our ways. And that is, it's, it's, I, I don't really know how to, how things will change going forward, but I definitely, I'm just like working on myself constantly being like, this person is literally an individual who has like their own pursuits um whether you know, so it's just you know like yeah and it's just like really nerdy and weird <laughs> <laughs> exactly and like <laughs> 
however noble their pursuits are, they're still, you know, a human being and they're still flawed and they're still going to make mistakes and they're still going to do things that don't align with you. So instead of setting yourself up for disappointment by literally lionizing this figure, like, you know, understand that like these figures aren't meant to be lionized. These figures aren't meant to be icons and idols. They are literally here for the fucking people. And so it's like, I think that's a really important conversation to be had, especially in this context. And like, you know, going forward with um, sort of what happens on the court, you know, I mean, it, God, I'm, it's going to be a shit show. I mean, as if the election wasn't already going to be enough of a shit show. I mean, the next six weeks leading up to this election, it's going to be a bloody fucking mess. It's, it's going to be awful. And I mean, it's going to be, I just, I'm totally I, surprised it's a new fucking justice. <laughs> God, I like. And they're like, 30. They're going to be around forever. <laughs> well, see, and the de Democrats are sort of already talking if they take back the Senate um, and keep their majority in the House. And I mean, if Biden wins, which I mean, even if he does, God knows. But <laughs> they're talking about expanding, <laughs> expanding the it. amount of justices yeah. and uh, also like packing the court and then imposing term limits on Supreme Court justices, which I'm all for term limits on Supreme Court justices. I don't think that should be a lifetime position. You know what I mean? Like you can't just hold out until you choke and die. Um, you know, Scalia did that and Scalia was a piece of fucking garbage you know and i think that the documentary highlighted that for me because the fact that he was literally like no we have to look at the constitution uh how they were saying it you know back in 1776 or what the fuck ever and like ruth ginsburg was like um yeah so when they were back then it was like a bunch of straight white men so you know i wasn't included black people weren't included like how could you do that and so, and, and that was one of the things that blew my mind. Like, how do they fucking get along? I would hate him. I would fucking, I mean, I do hate him. I despise him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know that you're not going to agree with this, but I actually, I mean, that is one of the most interesting parts of the whole thing. And I don't think it's a bad thing. I think that, I don't, I don't think it's particularly good to like hate people that don't agree with you. I don't yeah. know. I don't, I don't. <laughs> I don't hate people that don't agree with me, but... Uh, no, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> for the most part. But, I mean, my thing with Scalia is his perspective... That, that constitutional purity perspective is so fucking toxic and so besides the fucking point, you know? I mean, like, taking the Constitution literally is the stupidest thing you could fucking do because... Yeah literally there's no way the bitches that wrote that document could ever imagine what is going on in this country now so why would you take it literally in the in the way that it was written that's my personal problem with Scalia but I do believe you know there needs to be common ground but also you know <laughs> fuck that <laughs> well I think that the way, the way that I feel about it is like I mean you, if you want to have a conversation with someone outside of your echo chamber that is at all useful, then I think that you'd have to sometimes put differences aside, especially if you're in a position of power as they were. You know, it would have, at, at the time when she was put on the court, it would have been quite pointless for her to dislike him. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, what what would what I don't know if any real good would have come to come of that. I think in her more more recent years, 
that would have been useful. It would especially would have been more useful than it would have been in 1993. But um, yeah, I know. And I think, I think I, I just feel this way because I do, I mean, I know you do as well. Like you do have people that you know, that you're close to, that you love, that their mind is in like fucking space. Like they don't know what they're talking about. Yeah, hi but, <laughs> <laughs> but it doesn't really make them a terrible person. Like just to have more perspective on that and just like, to, to reach outside of your echo chamber, which is, I think, kind of one of the lessons about the dog, just her being, like, that was, that's a quote that's just sort of going around. It's like, be, a you know, don't get upset, be a lady, blah, blah, blah. But um, some of it, I think, is actually good. Um, yeah. I mean, there, th my thing is, with that is, you know, that common ground that her and Scalia found and eventually formed their friendship on, you know, is important because obviously there needs to be differences in ideology um, in order, you know, you know, there's always going to be a difference of opinion, but in our increasingly polarized times where you do have one side, like ignoring facts and like ignoring, you know, just generally norms, facts, science, et cetera, et cetera. It, it's hard to feel like common ground is even productive. And, and I mean, it's hard to find common ground because how can you agree with somebody who literally, I mean, just off the top of my head, like climate change deniers or yeah. Yeah. COVID deniers, like there's no fucking common ground there. And there's no fucking common ground when it comes to human rights. You know what I mean? If you don't believe that there's uh, institutionalized racism like what the fuck am I supposed to tell you you know what common ground am I going to find with you and so like I think that was what was really inter interesting to me about Ginsburg and Scalia was that common ground that they found that's gone that's I mean it's not completely gone I don't think but it's slowly eroding away and we have a president who is you know making sure he's doing everything in his power to uh, make sure that we can't find common ground with opposing ideologies yeah, and it's it's insane how successful it's been. Sorry, no, let me turn off on my soapbox. <laughs> yeah, I think it's all. I think it is as well, like a response to like the the flawed, like what is flawed within liberal politics as well. Yeah, certainly, certainly, like as we're talking about, like just sort of idolizing and being religious about a certain thing. We have always like the Democrats have always done that because of like movements like feminism and civil rights and these sort of big important things. And so it isn't surprising whenever Trump can come in as a like for a figure for a conservative party and sort of be this like strong hand. I mean, it is kind of Hitlery and fascist, but you know, like <laughs> it, it's, I think it is a response to how Obama, Obama just assumed this greatness because of who he was and, and maybe what he stood for, but that doesn't necessarily mean that he represented that well. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. It, I mean, we could obviously talk about this in circles forever, but right, right. I, think, I think everyone should uh, register to vote, no? Register <laughs> to vote. Vote this motherfucker out. Please. Yes. Yeah, so we can start having some different conversations yeah, and important right. conversations. Like poll elections, please, as well. Those are just as fucking important. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I just got all of my absentee ballot shit together because, of course, it was, like, kind of confusing on purpose. 
Oh, yeah. The Texas shit is so confusing. I was like, I honestly had thought it was done already, and I was like, shouldn't I know? And then I fixed it. Well, what's crazy about the Texas thing, too, is, like, you need to, like, if you're not returning, you can't, you're technically not supposed to fucking uh, ask for an absentee ballot, which is fucked, because, like, okay, if I, so, I mean, I'm obviously not planning on moving back to fucking Texas, and, but, like, in order for me to register to vote in Massachusetts, I need a Massachusetts license, and yeah. in order to get a Massachusetts license, I need to have been a resident for a certain amount of time. And also, I send all my shit to my parents' house, all my mail and stuff, all my bills. I just send that, that their way. And so... These, I, those rules are completely worthless. Like, it, the, it's just, it's difficult on purpose. Um, yeah. Because, yeah, I, I realized that because it said something about, like, you have to put, you don't know when you're returning or whatever. I don't know if ours is different because I'm applying from out of the country, um, but I would assume, no, because I, I, what I did was I sent something to vote abroad, and so it did, it registered me, and it did the, um, and it's going to send me an absentee ballot all together, so I don't know. I mean, it, 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 I thought it would be, it seemed really simple, and then I was like, well, maybe not. Fuck, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, well, that's the thing is, like, they make it as complicated as possible. Democrats and Republicans make it as complicated as possible to fucking vote, um, yeah. you know, and so it's just, I don't know. It's, it's hard work, but it's, I mean, it's worth it. I mean, yeah. Oh, we'll see. We'll see. My mom's going to vote this year, which, I mean, that is saying something because I did not know my mom knew who the president was because she is, <laughs> she's, she's very chilled. She does not see news or anything like that. It does not come into her sphere. It's actually crazy. I don't know how she does this. But she, she I told her, I was like, hey, can you deal with all this stuff <laughs> for me, please? Um, and also, are you going to vote? Um, and I wasn't accusatory just because it's just not really... I wasn't like, mom, you better register to vote, just because, like, um, I, I've i never even heard of her doing this before, but I was so excited to hear that she's going to, um, but she didn't tell me before. <laughs> I mean, I think Shalina knows what's up. There's no way she's voting for Trump. I think she hates him, because she'll randomly send me a text, like, I want to move to Canada, with, like, a bunch of explanation points. Um, so I think that's an indication that she's over this. Um, yeah. Oh, uh, God. I mean, I'm excited for our upcoming election-centric episode. I guess we need to find some movies, but that'll be, I guess, early November. We're doing a whole spooky month, though, that I'm I'm, I'm super excited about. The spooky month is going to be great. I'm actually really excited about that because then it'll give us a distraction from whatever shit show is about to go down on this last month of campaigning. Do you know what I mean? Uh, I mean, it's going to be it's it's going to be hell. So it'll be nice cool. to talk about a different kind of hell. <laughs> Let's just have, let's just like have coffees and snuggle up in cardigans and watch scary movies. And, you know, we're going to do early voting so that we can just fucking chill <laughs> and await, await the, the ultimate, you know, decision. Yeah. God, I'm fucking terrified. Anyways. <laughs> yeah, I think officially Halloween parties are, I mean, it was always going to not happen, but like for sure not going to happen this year. So oh, definitely I'm going to have to on a Saturday. Say what? I said it sucks because I think Halloween's on like a Saturday or something too. Which is like, yeah. Which is like, oh, like why? But, Mm -hmm. you know, I'll just look at everybody else's pictures from around the world and also the people in America who don't really give a shit. Like, so many people. (laughs) Some people in Texas having parties. And I'm like, are you guys like okay? Like, (laughs) you just don't give a shit anymore. 
there's someone that we both know whom I shall not name. Um, she's a sweet little heart, but I don't think she knows what's going on. But she's doing like three bachelorette parties in like two weeks and like bachelorette trips, like going to all these places. And I was like, Oh, I think I know who you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Love her to death, but I was like, Okay, hey, I don't know. <laughs> Um, but yes, this is not a shaming platform, is it? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. All right. Well, I think we said all that needs to be said. I mean, I hope people don't think that we're like RBG haters because that is not the case at all. <laughs> don't Just, cancel me, y'all. <laughs> you can cancel me. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just cancel him, okay? <laughs> I really care what people think of me. Um, yeah. Awesome. Oh, no, this is an interesting conversation yeah i mean i could keep going but again it would be like the same shit over and over again so it's probably not a good idea <laughs> rvg part two <laughs> <laughs> it's possible don't tempt me Ugh, okay um also i wanted to say before we get off that um people should there's a there's a podcast called today explained that i've been really into lately and they did a quick episode on rbg uh for monday for, uh, for the just a couple days after she passed and I would recommend listening to that as well as watching the movie and documentary. I'd also recommend um, reading the Linda Greenhouse obituary for Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And I would also recommend uh, registering to vote. And that is all for my recommendations this week. <laughs> I second all of that. <laughs> I don't have any <laughs> Stay sane <laughs> amidst all of this fucking bullshit. Absolutely. All right, guys. Well, thanks for listening. I'm Graham. I'm Paisley. And this is Little Film Club. Bye-bye. <laughs>